You are listening to the Hope Church Weekly Message Podcast. Hope Church is located in Cleveland, Texas and meets on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Pastor Todd and the preaching team desire for this message to bring life in a dark world. For more information about Hope Church, visit HopeChurchCleveland.com. I wanted to start out the message this morning with that, that, that God is working on us just as much as he's working on you. And so I know that when we come about these tough topics, you think often, well, the preacher, all he does is preach and he didn't have to deal with this. I want you to know this morning, I'm dealing with this topic even in the midst of as we talk about it. So, you know, I, I sit back and I wonder when we, when we plan these sermon series and things, uh, what God's going to do. Uh, and if you'd have told me back in the summer that this is what he'd do during the Freedom Series, I'd been like, you crazy. There's no way we could do that. Uh, and I'm still thinking to myself, you're crazy. There's no way we can do that. But God can handle it. So if you have your Bibles this morning, grab them, go to Deuteronomy. We're going to start at Deuteronomy chapter 15. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry about it. Go to your app store, Google Play, download the Hope Church Cleveland app, and you can follow along with me. Pastor Ethan mentioned that today's a little different. You'll see why in a little bit. Uh, if you're smart, you'll probably pick on, up on it real quick. So if you were with us two years ago, we did a series called The Blessed Life. And during The Blessed Life, uh, I used many quotes from a book, and I pulled out those two quotes again. Uh, it's from Robert Morris. Robert Morris is the pastor of Gateway Church in Southlake. If you don't know where Gateway is, just drive through Southlake in that humongous church uh, that is, is right there off of the, uh, the interstate is Gateway Church. And in his book, he says, there are more than 500 verses in the Bible concerning prayer and nearly 500 concerning faith. But there are nearly 2,000 verses in the Bible on the subject of money and possessions. You know, we often say, well, pastor, why is it that we talk about money so often. Well, here's the thing. God's word is perfect. We we believe that God's word is inerrant. When we say inerrant, we mean that it has everything we need. It is without error. And so if we, hello, I got it. No worries. All right. God's calling. He's telling you that his Bible's inerrant, okay? And so what he's saying to us is that Everything that we need for life and living is in the four pages or in the two covers of this Bible. And so if we believe that, we have to understand that there's more than 2,000 verses concerning money. So you would think to us, well, if God put more than 2,000 verses, we might struggle with it a hair. And so many people talk to me and they say, Pastor, why is it that you talk about money all the time? The reason I talk about money is because I want you to have some. Okay? Robert Morris says in his book, all tithers give testimony that they are blessed. Now listen to this. All non-tithers give testimony how they cannot afford to tithe. That was written by another pastor, not me. But it's truth. Guys, you will never be able to afford anything until you tithe because your money is not blessed. So today, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about four principles of tithing. 
Now, I said to, I preached last week in Meridian, and I had a two-point message. I said, I'm not a good preacher because I only gave you a two-point message. A good preacher would give you a three-point message. So I'm a stellar preacher today. I'm giving you a four-point sermon, okay? Or I just couldn't decide which point needed to go. So you got all four of them, all right? (laughs) So the first point is, tithing helps us deal with a selfish heart. Tithing makes us deal with a selfish heart. Deuteronomy 15, we're going to start in verse 7. If anyone is poor among you, your fellow Israelites, in any of the towns of the land of the Lord your God is given to you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-hearted and freely lend them whatever you need. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year, the seventh year for canceling debts is near, so that you do not show ill will towards the needy among you, fellow Israelites, and give them nothing. They may then appeal to the Lord against you, and you will be found guilty of sin. What God is saying to us is the church, the church, should be the leader of caring for the poor. Now, I've said this over and over and over and over and over again, and I'll probably say it again. The government should not be tasked with taking care of the poor. It should be our job. But because we do not step up and do what we are supposed to do, the government has to do it for us. We gave that control over to the government long ago. If the church would step up, if the church would give, if the church would be benevolent, we would not have to depend on the government to do our job. Now, what this is saying is it's saying you should give with a free heart. The reason it brings up, don't worry that the seventh year is coming because the biblical principle is after seven years, everyone's debts were forgiven. Wouldn't y'all like that in America? After seven years, all your debts are forgiven. Amen, right? Praise Jesus. You know, even, even they won't come and repo your kids for not paying for them, right? I really wish they would, but, you know, they never do. So don't boo me. Calm down, all right? Come live with four kids and then talk, all right? But here's the thing. It's saying don't worry about what's going on. It's saying just give of a free heart. Now, my wife and I, a little while back, this was before we had four kids, we, we took a trip to, to Bethel. They had a conference. It was in Northern California. And so we were flying in, uh, and we landed, and, and we went to the, the rent-a-car desk. Now, me being the Texan, you know, I have, to, I have to look down upon California because it's almost required of a Texan to look down on California. Is that correct? Amen. Okay. Uh, and so as I was looking down my nose on California, um, I noticed, and this was before we actually had this law, that you could not have any device in your hands. So you had to, if you're going to use GPS, you had to have a hands-free device. So I was like, well, I didn't plan for that. I had planned to use my phone the whole time for GPS directions. So I asked the sweet lady, okay? My mom taught me growing up that if you're nice to people that do customer service, you stick out because everybody else is mean. Okay, so I was nice to the lady. I said, ma'am, I noticed that you crazy Californian people have a law that you cannot use. She goes, oh, yes, sir, you can't use a mobile device. I go, well, here's the problem. I plan on using my phone for GPS. So could you help me out and 
and add GPS to my rental so that I don't get a ticket because we all know that I have no trouble getting a ticket on my own. Um, and that will, make, that will make sense later on. Most of the staff has been with me when I got a ticket. Um, and so the lady looks at me and she goes, you know, you're so sweet. I'm going to hook you up. And I'm like, how's a rental car person going to hook me up? So she, she goes to the back and brings out a key and sets the key fob down. Like it's, so I knew instantly it was going to be all right because it was just a key fob. There was no key. So I was like, all right. And then I looked at the key and I go, is that a Cadillac symbol? So I so, said, okay, well, maybe it is. So we walk out and I walk to our car and, and hit, the, hit the horn just to make sure it's it. And she gave us a brand new Cadillac CTS. And we were charged for the smart car. No lie. So she hooked me up, man. I'd look down. It's like, oh, I'm going 100. I got to slow down. <laughs> but here's the thing. That's not the end of the story. I'm rolling around in style in my Cadillac CTS with all them crazy California people. And my wife and I left our hotel that morning, headed towards the conference. And uh, I saw we were, we were rolling into McDonald's. Those of you that know me, McDonald's is my breakfast spot. Uh, and there was a lady holding up a sign. She said she was hungry in need of food. And the Lord instantly downloaded into my head, you're driving a Cadillac CTS. Buy that woman some breakfast. And I'm like, okay. So I, I went to, the, I went to the, the drive-thru. And in my heart, I said to myself, I'll buy her a sausage biscuit and a free water. And the Lord said, you buy her for a better breakfast than what you're going to get. So I got her a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. And I got her a bottle of water because, you know, I don't know what people drink, but everybody loves a bottle of water. I didn't get the free water. I got the water that costs money. <laughs> so Crystal said, what are you doing? I go, take it up with God. I'll show you in a minute. Um, and when I say that, she usually doesn't argue anymore because she knows it's crazy. Um, and so we went down, we rolled down the window and we handed the lady a bacon, egg and cheese biscuit and a water. I say that to say this. The Lord told me to care for someone that I needed to. Now, I could have just said, you know what? Forget it. I got to get to the conference. God has something to tell me. But I took the time to stop and listen to what the Lord was telling me to. Now, I'm not saying go and hand out money to the poor. In fact, I would, I would urge you a good way to take care of the poor is to give them something they need. It's not always the answer just to hand them money. But what I'm saying to you guys is we are called to be generous like our father. John 3:16 our favorite verse says for God so loved the world that he gave. So my appeal to you today is guys, our father gives to us. So what I'm saying to you is do you really think that God needs your money to support his work? Now let me let me break that down. I know that's the quote, but let me break that down a little bit. It's not your money. It's his money that he has entrusted you with. So do you really think he needs your money? If, if you are not benevolent enough to give it, God will go find somebody else to give it. And then he won't bless you with as much. So that was point one. Happy Palm Sunday, everybody. Let's go to point two. <laughs> point two is tithing helps us develop a generous heart. Deuteronomy 15, start in verse 14. Supply them liberally from your flock, 
your threshing floor, and your winepress. Give to them as the Lord your God has blessed you. Guys, we were all born selfish. If some of the first words our kids learn is what? No and mine, right? Those are the first two words they learn. Mine learn no first. I guess you're, you're a little bit more selfish than me, but uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Shayla. Forgive me. Um, but they also learn mine, and they'll steal it out of each other's hands. Like on the way here, they were yelling at each other in the back seat because I asked them to take their seatbelts off, and, and my daughter helped my son by taking his seatbelt off. He was like, Sister! What are you doing? I'm like, she's trying to help you. Calm down. Stop acting like your mother. Jeez. No, we, we, she's right back there. She can see me. We all know that's me. Calm down, okay? But what we're saying is, is I didn't have to teach my children to do that. They came out knowing to be selfish. They only care about their needs. I'm, I'm not sure what age it is they stop only caring about themselves, uh, but I got a seven-year-old and he hadn't hit it yet, so I'll let you know when they get there, okay? But guys, God is a giving God. He has given you everything. So what I'm saying to you, God wants us to be generous. So God is asking you, when are you going to be generous And when are you going to grow up and give like your daddy gives? Your daddy gives in such a blessed way. He gives you more than you could have ever imagined. When are you going to grow up and give like your daddy gives? For God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? He gave you his only son so that you could have life. He gave you everything. Why is it a big deal for us to just give what he asks us to give? So let's move on. Chapter or point three of today. Actually, I need to put that back. Chapter or point three for today. Tithing is a test. Tithing is a test. Everyone's favorite verse from Malachi. Malachi 3, 6 through 10 says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will turn to you, says the Almighty God. But you ask, how are you, or how are we to return? Will you, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you, God? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I do not throw up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room to store it. So tithing is a test in two ways. Number one, it, it's God is testing us. God is testing us. He's saying, Will you give me what I have asked of you? And the second way God is testing us, he's testing us to see if he is pure. We are testing God, excuse me, to see if he is pure. 
Because God promises you, if I give you this, it will be blessed. What God is saying, test me. This is one of the only times in the Bible that God says, if you will test me, I will bless you. So not only is God testing us, he's saying, test me. If you don't believe me, then test me. So today, I have an illustration for you. Some of you are visual learners. I am a visual learner. So I like to see things with my eyes. So this is 10 oranges. Okay? Anybody like oranges? There we go. I gave one away. Now I have nine oranges. Did I lose that many oranges? I just lost one. Shayla now has my orange. But it's not my orange anymore. It's Shayla's. Because the Lord told me to be generous. So here's the thing. Here's what I'm saying. That one orange, can you throw it back to me for just a second? What a throw. This one orange is all that God gives me. It's all that he asked me to give. And what he's saying is, if you will just give me this one orange, this will be blessed. But if I keep this, this will be cursed. So what we're saying is, is if you just simply give away the one, this will be blessed. And God can do more with 90% that's blessed than you can do with 100% that's cursed. Now, I can't give away the rest of the oranges because I need them for the next service. (laughs) But guys, what I'm saying to you is, is we think that God is asking so much of us. But what he's saying is, is you're just on the cusp of being blessed. Because like I said earlier, everyone that tithe says how much God has blessed them. And everyone that doesn't says, well, you know what? I can't afford it. But God is saying, test me, test me, and don't see that I won't open the floodgates of heaven. He's not just saying you'll be blessed. He's saying, if you will test me, I'll open the floodgates of heaven. There's a song there. Let it rain. You ever heard that song? Most looking for a song for the altar. I think that might be it. But guys, we sing songs like, let it rain, open the, open the floodgates of heaven. But this is actually the biblical way. It's saying, this is how you do it. It's through the generosity of your heart. Because generosity usually is the last thing that we're hanging on to. So we're moving on to number four. Let me put my oranges away. Because if you're like me, you're ADD as well. Then you'll be looking at the oranges the rest of the time. The fourth point is tithing is a blessing. Tithing is a blessing. Flip over if you're flipping in your Bible to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 31 is where I'm going to land this plane. 2 Chronicles 31.4. He ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give the portion due the priests and the Levites so they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. Guys, how many of you like to go to a restaurant? Raise your hand. How many of you like to go to a restaurant? Okay. Let's keep our hands up. How many of you are going to leave the restaurant without paying for your meal? Put your hands down. Vicky, put your hand down. <laughs> I know you'd never do that. But that's the thing. We would never 
Never leave a restaurant without paying for our meal. Why is it that we come to church and we don't give our tithes? Because here's the thing. I, I know you guys think that there's some benevolent benefactor that gives money to the church, that suddenly we have this beautiful building. We have this AC that's on. We have this amazing pastor. Um, I'm joking. Um, come on, y'all got to laugh a little more, okay? I, was la- I wasn't here last week for y'all to laugh, and I need, I need to charge my batteries, okay? And guys, the way... That God's work continues right here in Cleburne is 100% through your giving. There's no other way that it, that it goes. So what I'm saying to you is everything in this room is yours. And we are required, all of us together, are required by the Lord. It says, give me 10%. That's what we're required to do. And so what I'm saying to you is you wouldn't leave a restaurant without paying for the meal? Why do you leave your church without doing what God has asked you to do? Because guys, I'm here to tell you, if everyone in this church would give their 10%, we'd have more money than we would know what to do with, and I guarantee you, you would see some changes around this place. We would, we would affect the poor like no one else is in this town. We would change the landscape of Cleburne like this, If we had the funds to do so, I'm here to tell you, there's many things that we shut down because we don't have the money. We say, well, we'll do that one day when we have the funds to do it. But what if everybody in this church faithfully gave the way that God asked them to do? There was nothing. There would be nothing that would stop us as a church. Nothing. Now, I don't, I don't want to beat this anymore other than to tell you. The number one problem in the church is money. The number one problem we struggle with as a church is we don't have enough. And I'm not here to tell you, there's, that's probably a problem for 99% of the churches. I coach a lot of pastors, and I've only coached one pastor that had more money, to, that had more money than he knew what to do with. And he said, he, he said to me, Pastor, I've got this much money in the bank and I don't know what to do with it and I don't know how to grow my church. I go, well, I got a plan for you. (laughs) We can do this. (laughs) I said, because we put things together here with duct tape and bailing wire. Imagine if we could actually buy off the rack. You know what I'm saying? So let's keep reading (sighs) before I get too tired. Um, Second Chronicles 3, 5. As soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of the grain, wine, oil, of olive oil, and honey. What, what we're saying is, is the priest said to them, hey, we don't have enough. So as soon as the order came out, they brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. They, okay, see what we're saying? A tithe of everything. In the Bible, they were required to tithe of everything. You're just required to tithe of your money. So what we're saying is, is if you grew oranges, you were supposed to tithe an orange to the church. Now, we don't necessarily want that. I mean, if you feel that the Lord's asking you to do that, we'll figure something out to do with it. Uh, but, I mean, we're not set up to take food, but, you know, we could, we'd figure it out. Um, and so the people of Israel, verse 6, and Judah, who lived in the towns of Judah, also brought a tithe of their heads of flock and the tithe of the holy things dedicated to the Lord God and piled them in heaps. Piled them in heaps. 
They began doing this in the third month and finished in the seventh month. They did it for four months. Wow. When Hezekiah and his officials came and saw the heaps, they praised the Lord and blessed his people. Hezekiah asked the priest, Hezekiah's the king, and the Levites about the heaps. And Azariah and the chief priest from uh, the family of Zadok answered, Since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare because the Lord has blessed his people and this great amount is left over. What the Bible is saying to us is when God's people give like they're supposed to give, we will have an overabundance and piles left. Why? To bless those that can't afford it. That is why the church is called to be the hope of the world. Let me illustrate it to you this way. Say I left town, okay? Say I was going out of town and I needed my wife to be taken care of while I was gone, okay? So I called up Ethan and I called up JD, okay? JD's the long hair guy up here. Ethan's up here, okay? And I gave them both. I said, guys, I'm giving you both $1,000 a month and all I need you to do is give Crystal $100 and then just make sure she's taken care of. How angry do you think I would be if I called my wife two months later and found out JD was giving her the money, but Ethan wasn't? Come on, Ethan. What do you think I'd do? I'd give all the money to JD because JD is giving it the way that he's supposed to do. So we laugh, but let's back this up a second. Remember, the preacher always has something. The Jesus's wife, the bride of Christ is what? The church. So what he has tasked you to do is you are tasked to take care of Christ's bride. So if he, if you are not giving the 10%, you are not taking care of the bride of Christ that you've been tasked to take care of. So if you haven't, if you're not taking care of the bride of Christ, do you think God's going to keep giving you the money or is he going to give it to somebody else who will give it to his bride? That's why I say God doesn't need your money. He'll give it to someone else who will give it to the church. That's what I'm saying to you. That's what we have to understand. I want you to be blessed. I want you to have a lot. And the way to be blessed, the way to have a lot is through what? Tithing. Because we can do so much more with a 90% that's blessed than a 100% that's cursed. And so, guys, the church is the bride of Christ, and he has tasked you to take care of her. Why would he provide for people that won't take care of his wife? So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for you in your life today? I know know this is everybody wanted to come on Palm Sunday to hear about tithing. Trust me, I just love preaching to you about this because usually God kicks me in the head with something. So what does this mean for us? The first question I have for you today is, are you tithing or tipping? And you're like, tipping? What do you mean by that, Pastor? Tithing is 10%. So anything less than 10%, you're just tipping God, saying, oh, you're a good God. Here's 20 bucks. You see what I'm saying? The reason the tithe is 10% is because that 10% is the same for all of us. The 10% 
is the equal sacrifice for us all, whether you make $10,000 a year or whether you make $100,000 a year, a million dollars a year, the sacrifice is the same for each of us. God is a just God. He's not asking you to do any more than he asked me to do. Now, I, as your pastor, you pay me. You pay me out of the tithes and offerings. But you know what? Do I tithe as your pastor? Absolutely. Because God asked me to give of my tithes and offerings just as much as he asked you. In fact, in in many cases, my wife and I are the first to give at things. Because we know how much God will bless us when we do it. And I've said over and over and over and over again, I would love to show my tithing record to anyone that asks because I'm not ashamed. There's nothing that I have to hide as your pastor. I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I'm not doing myself. Are you tithing? Are you tipping? Number two, do you want to receive God's blessing on your finances? You know, back to the oranges. Since I tithed one orange to Shayla, now these nine oranges are blessed. So what I'm saying to you is, if you want your money to be blessed, if you want it to be blessed in your bank account, you have to give that one orange, the 10%. That's the way it's going to be blessed. Otherwise, you're always going to have money problems. If money is your idol, it will always be a problem. And number three, as the van comes back up, will you take the 90-day challenge? Now, I've given this to many people before, and I'll do it again, and I'll do it again until everybody ties because then I won't have to do it anymore. I'm asking you to take a 90-day challenge. I'm asking you to tie 10% for 90 days. Now, being, be honest, give the legit 10% for 90 days. And if you are not satisfied with your results after 90 days, the elders and I will give your money back 100% that you've given. Now, the Bible says, test me. That's us saying to you, we're good with you testing because we know he's going to be there. I'm willing to put my money where the mouth, my mouth is. Are you? And that's the thing I'm saying to you guys. If you will test the Lord for 90 days, and if you don't see that he does something miraculous, that he does something that will change everything for you, then we'll give you your money back. But guys, I'm here to tell you, Tithing is just one step of faith that he works on. Once you get that, then he asks you to do bigger things like quit your job and move and start a church. So I'm not saying that this is the be all end all of financial asking from God. What I'm saying is this is just step one. This is taking the training wheels off your bike. This is what separates those that are just, I'm not sure if I really wanted to commit to truly committed followers of Christ. Tithing is the step that separates the adults from the kids. Now, I know some of you are sitting there going, Pastor, that's harsh. But guys, if it's in the Bible over 2,000 times, don't you think that God knew this was the last step that you needed to take 
walking into adulthood of a Christ follower. So in just a moment, Pastor Ethan said we're going to do something a little different today. Instead of hitting you over the head with two offering talks, I just did one. Now this was 30 minutes instead of two minutes. But we're going to do our our tithes and offerings now. And here's what we're going to do. Ushers, I know I I threw the ushers for a loop. So they're like going, what the heck? I'm giving them a second. But here's what we're going to do in a minute. I'm going to ask you to stand in a minute. And the ushers are going to take up the offering. If you'd like, if you're a credit card person, can you throw a text to give up there, Amanda? I know I'm throwing for you for a loop. Text to give will be up there in just a second as soon as she finds it. If you're a credit card, you can text to give this way through that number. But guys, what I'm saying to you, if God is challenging you today, we wanted to have an opportunity for you to respond to that challenge. Now, I know there's some of you in this place. You've been given your 10% for a long time, and I appreciate that. As your pastor, I don't look at who gives what. The only people that I look at to make sure that they're giving the way they need to are the staff and the elders because they're the leadership of the church and they should be leading in their giving. Those are the only people that I check up on. Everybody else, you're left to your own devices. It's between you and God. So as I, as I scan the audience today, I don't know whether you give or you don't. But what I'm saying to you is this. If you will give, God will open the storehouses of heaven on you. So just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. The ushers are going to take up the offering, but we're going to still have our prayer people up here down in front and in the back that would love to pray with you. So as after the offering, if you still need prayer, that's what we're here for. If you have a need that's that's unrelated to money, we're still here for that. We still want to pray for you. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll continue into our altar time. Jesus, Lord, I just pray that you would bless us. Lord, it's never easy to hear messages like today. We never want people to meddle in our money. We never want people to talk about our money. But Lord, you talk about it more than anything else. Why? Because we need to hear it. So Lord, I pray today that you would help us to have a soft heart towards what you called us to do. Lord, I pray that everybody in this place would feel that me as their pastor, all I want them to have, all I want them to be is blessed. And I know their money, their finances will never be blessed until they give God what he has asked them to give. So Lord, please, Lord, help the people in this place today to feel that their pastor wants them to be blessed. So Lord, I pray today that you would help us today to take the 90-day challenge. Lord, if we've never given, Lord, I pray that you would just help us to take that challenge and step out. Lord, I pray for those that are here today, Lord, that that maybe they're dealing with sickness. Maybe they're dealing with something that they need to be broken free from. Lord, I pray that you would get them out of their seat from where they are and come pray with one of us down here at the altar in the back. Lord, we thank you for what you're about to do during this time. For us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.